0: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. And you can find all of the coverage of the Packers' thrilling 27-21 win in overtime at AcmePackingCompany.com. Come, the Packers do win in overtime. They beat the winless Cleveland Browns in a game that certainly had Packer fans very nervous for much of the second half. Until Brett Hundley, the much maligned, the oft criticized, the savior in the end of the Green Bay Packers season. Because it was Brett Hundley in the second half who made a pair of drives to tie the game. And then ultimately through the game-winning touchdown pass in overtime with a lot of help, let's be honest, from Devontae Adams. But on the final four possessions, Brett Hundley goes 21 of 25. He finishes 35 of 46 for 265. Three touchdowns, adds another 31 yards on the ground. And he had a couple plays where he turned sacks into positive yards. This was not an easy game. And I told you coming in, it would not be an easy game because the Cleveland Browns defense is legit. And they were. Their front handled Green Bay's front. They won the battle in the trenches. Green Bay had just 85 yards on 27 carries on the ground. This is the best run defense in football. And so I had a feeling that despite all of the success that Green Bay's run offense had had over the last seven or eight weeks, Going back even to before Brett Hundley took over, but even with Brett Hundley and stacked boxes and good teams, good defenses, knowing Green Bay had to run the ball, Green Bay was running the ball, and they couldn't do it against the Cleveland Browns. And early on, aside from the first drive, which was flawless as usual from the Packers, Brett Hundley was a little bit shaky, and they couldn't get much going, and really what was shaky was the Packers' defense. And we're going to get to the Packers' defense, but I I want to stay on the offense here first because Jamal Williams is clearly someone that the Packers really, really like as part of his offense. In the last five games, he has 545 total yards, five touchdowns. He had seven catches for 69 yards on Sunday. He was a bigger factor through the air. He had that long touchdown to open the game where the Browns busted the coverage a similar play, in some ways, to the to the throw he dropped against Pittsburgh on a wheel route. Brett Hundley put it right in his hands, and he looked really bad catching it. He looked, frankly, like a running back who's not used to getting the ball thrown his way, catching the ball. And he doesn't look natural catching it. He's not a natural hands catcher. But he made a couple catches today. He was an important check down option because in the second half, with the Browns leading... Yes, leading 21-7. to seven. I told you earlier in the week, last week, that the Browns' average lead this year was minus six, which is to say they, if their average margin in a game that they were in was their losing by almost a touchdown, and they were up two touchdowns for much of the second half. So the, the safeties were playing deep for Cleveland. Defensive coordinator Greg Williams had his linebackers deep, and so Brett Hundley was getting to the top of his drop. Here, Jamal Williams, go make a play. Here, Jordy Nelson, go make a play. Here, Devontae Adams, go make a play. And boy, did Devontae Adams make some plays. 10 catches, 84 yards, two touchdowns, including the game tire and the game winner. It looked like Brett Hundley had the game tying scramble under a minute left. In fact, under, under 40 seconds left. And all of a sudden, okay, now the Packers have to scramble. Clock is ticking. They've got to get it in. Brett Hundley throws a back shoulder beauty to Devontae Adams. That Devontae Adams makes an adjustment and makes the catch on. And then there was a lot of drama because in overtime, Clay Matthews gets pressure on Deshaun Kaiser. It's third and two. Okay. Packers get a stop, they get the ball. If they score, they win. Third and two, Clay Matthews gets pressure on Deshaun Kaiser. He loads up to fire the ball down the field, and Clay Matthews hits Deshaun Kaiser's arm. There is what ends up being a Hail Mary jump ball, but it's only 30 yards last 20 yards down the field. Josh Jones, the rookie, comes up with the ball, and the Packers are in business. And they pick up a couple first downs, they get in Mason Crosby's field goal range, and they aren't done, okay? That was what was so great. Mike McCarthy coached this game to win it. There was the fake punt on the first drive, they pick up the first down. He was aggressive on fourth down. And on third and six, at the Cleveland 25, at this point, we are well within Mason Crosby's field goal range for the Packers. At that point, you're looking at a 42, 43-yard field goal with the wind at your back. This is this is, a, a kick you expect Mason Crosby to make 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 times. And instead of playing it safe, Mike McCarthy dials up one of those receiver screens, trips to the bottom side, five minutes left in overtime, and this is what happens. And they're going to throw it. Who has a dangerous throw? And it's a first down into the end zone. Devontae Adams and the Packers have won it in overtime. My friend and colleague, Jason Hershorn joked on Twitter, well, not even joked, but That the Packers should pay Devontae Adams before he gets to the bus. He is a superstar receiver. A bona fide number one receiver. And clearly the best receiver on this offense. Green Bay did a better job of getting Randall Cobb, who didn't have a catch last week, involved. They did a better job of getting Jordy Nelson involved. Hey, an RPO! How many times have I said that? It was the first play of the game. Little run pass, zone read option. With a slant in behind, and Brett Hundley hits Jordy Nelson first down. And I thought, wow, where has this been? And then about a half hour later, I was thinking, wow, where did that go? There was there were such bouts of brilliance and, and maddening play calls, maddening execution. But the offense ultimately gets it done. They score 20 points in the fourth quarter in overtime. Brett Hundley gets his second comeback win his second in overtime, now has more overtime wins in the regular season than than Aaron Rodgers in his career. And as many fourth-quarter comebacks as Aaron Rodgers does this season. The comeback that everyone cares about now, though, is not a fourth-quarter comeback. It's a Week 15 comeback from Aaron Rodgers. And we're going to get to that as well. None of that matters if Green Bay doesn't win this game, and they do. They get to 7-6. and They keep their playoff hopes alive. And after what happened on Sunday, they're now just a game out of the wild card with plenty in front of them in terms of what they can do and what they need to do to get into the wild card race. Before we, before we look forward, I want to look back for just a second because Brett Hundley, the expectation is anyway, Brett Hunley's season is now done and he had his ups and downs. He played very well in three games and he played not so well In four others, they luckily won one of those games in which he did not play well. That was last week, and he still made some big plays with his feet. I thought we would see more of the run game, the called run game. He still had seven carries. He took off a couple of times. Like I said earlier, fought his way out of sacks. I mean, he shrugged off two or three sacks in this game. There was some strides that he made, and I still think Brett Hundley can be an NFL starter even if it's not a high-level NFL starter. But his final line for the year, he goes 161 of 252. That's a, a little less than a 64% completion percentage. That's great. But for 1534 yardage-wise, 6.1 yards per attempt is is not great. That's, that's bad. That's low. And a lot of his plays came on designed, short screens, dump-offs, those kinds of things, and he didn't hit some of those shots down the field. Finishes with eight eight touchdowns, nine interceptions. Obviously, that ratio is not ideal. But there are starting NFL quarterbacks who are going to finish the season with a negative ratio there or about a one-to-one. So this is about as good as you could expect a backup to do. His 76.3 passer rating, better than Joe Flacco's coming into the week. Better than Mike Glennon's. Better than guys who got time who were preferred starters. I said to someone on Twitter on Sunday that there are 32 teams in the league and maybe 20 of them have good quarterbacks. So the expectation that the Packers were going to have a backup who could come in and consistently win games was never something that was reasonable. The Patriots had Jimmy Garoppolo. Looks like Jimmy G is is legit. How many guys could come in and do and win more than what Brett Hundley did? Packers go 3-4 and in the games that he starts. They lose to a very good Baltimore Ravens team. They lose to a very good New Orleans Saints team. And they lose to a a Detroit Lions team that Matthew Stafford just absolutely lit up Dom Capers. The offense didn't play well in that game. But I'm not sure they win that game with Aaron Rodgers the way the defense played. I mean, they had no answers for Matthew Stafford. So, could Colin Kaepernick... Have done better. Maybe they win one extra game. Maybe. Does Case Keenum beat the Saints? Well, it turns out Case Keenum might actually be decent. He might be good. So what is the level of player that you need to have had to win more than they won in this stretch? Because it turns out they lost to four, at the very least, solid teams. But three really good teams and one, another team in the Lions that they're fighting for playoff positioning with. And if the answer is it has to be a borderline starter or a legitimate starter-level caliber player, then the expectations were reasonable. Brett Hundley played about as well as you could expect a backup to play. Sure, a replacement-level quarterback might have gotten to five wins, but there are, there are NFL teams that don't have a replacement-level preferred starter, much less a backup. They don't have one replacement-level quarterback, much less two. It turns out the Packers have two. I think there's plenty of room here for Hunley to grow. I think he's going to be the backup next year. I think they should feel comfortable with that. They should be encouraged by the bounce-back performances and the performances in the clutch. I mean, two comeback wins. There's the huge plays in th- that he made in the fourth quarter against the Chicago Bears. He, he goes down the field against the Pittsburgh Steelers, ties the game. So we're talking about in four of the last five games, Brett Hundley made huge plays late to put his team in a position to win. That is all you can ask your quarterback to do. I think ultimately we have to look at the fact that Green Bay needed to get to seven wins. That was the baseline. They hit it. Ultimately, I think this was and has to be considered a success. Before we move on, I want to remind you what our pro football focus edge is. Giveaway: Leave your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. They have mountains and gobs of data, but it's all behind a paywall. And you can unlock that paywall by winning our contest, NFL draft coverage, fantasy projections, rankings, tools, player grades, snap counts, all sorts of charting and data that can help you win Your fantasy league, it can help you with daily fantasy picks, it can help you bet on games if that's a thing you're into, or it can just help you sound smart on Twitter if that's a thing you're into. And all you have to do is put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast and you could win. Somewhat lost in the comeback from the offense is the failures of the defense through three quarters. Deshaun Kaiser, who has been the worst or second-worst quarterback in the league. This is the worst offense in the league, the most turnover-prone offense in the league, the worst red zone offense in the league, the worst third-down offense in the league. And the Packers' defense made Deshaun Kaiser look like not just a legitimate NFL quarterback, a good one. He, in the first half, was 15 of 17 for 174 and two touchdowns before that haha Clinton Dix interception at the end of the first half. That is... Pathetic. Pathetic. When they went up 21-7, I just, I'd had enough. The soft zone coverage, players being out of position because the defense is, is too complicated and they're trying to get too cute. It's just garbage. I'm out. Can't do it anymore. And look what happened. Devon House gets hurt. It looks like all is lost. And what Did Dom Capers do? He said, Demarius Randall, you have Josh Gordon. I want you to jam him at the line of scrimmage. And I want you to follow him around the field. And he did. On the opening drive, Josh Gordon, two targets, two catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. After that, Josh Gordon, four targets, one catch, 13 yards. Let this team play press man coverage. I don't know how many times I have to say it. How many times do the players have to lobby to do it? They wanted to play man against Tampa Bay. Dom let them. And Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson did not beat them. I I pointed this out on Twitter. What is the way that most defenses who have defended the Packers well play? Aside from the Seahawks, who are an aberration unto themselves. It's teams that play press man. You play physical at the line of scrimmage. You throw off the timing of routes. You're helping your defense because that's an extra split second they need to get to the quarterback. And ultimately, that's what changed this game. After the first half, Deshaun Kaiser goes 5 of 10 for 48 yards. They had the one good drive, the touchdown drive. But in the fourth quarter in overtime, no points. Clay Matthews gets the pressure. Josh Jones got the interception in overtime. The defense ultimately made the play that turned this game. You could make the case, the the, the play that won this game. But they still give up 7 of 13 on third down to the worst third down offense in football. They give up three touchdowns in three opportunities in the red zone from the worst red zone offense in football. And they give up 6.1 yards per play, which is the same as the Patriots offense, third best in the league, to the worst offense in football. That is unacceptable. Isaiah Crowell, 121 yards on 19 carries against a top 10 run unit that is mostly healthy. Nick Perry, the only preferred starter in the front seven not playing. I was, I was saying to someone yesterday, if Green Bay doesn't make the playoffs and make a deep run, then this game will have gone to waste as a win. And what I mean by that is if Green Bay had lost this game, maybe it would have been the wake-up call that Mike McCarthy needs to say it is time for a change. It is time for a change of leadership, a change in direction defensively. It in some ways, and I, I don't wanna I don't wanna rain on the parade, but in some ways it doesn't matter if Aaron Rodgers comes back because this defense is not good enough to win a Super Bowl with. And not because it's not talented enough, it is, at least when it's healthy. It's because the guy calling the defense consistently puts his players in a position to fail. Now, Aaron Rodgers could go supernova, and they could win five straight games and go to the Super Bowl because he's just awesome, but usually you need some help from your defense. Now, Green Bay got two interceptions. That's what they needed. Deshaun Kaiser averages a little less than two turnovers a game. I, I, I went a little Nostradamus on the interception because at, at the end of regulation, I pointed out that in 12 games, he has 20 turnovers, and he's one short of his season average. Because you can't give up just like, you know, 0.8. And three plays later, he throws a a horrible interception. Now, Cam Newton might do that next week. Case Keenum's probably not going to do it. Matthew Stafford's probably not going to do it. And a team you play in the playoffs is probably not going to do that. They're not going to gift you those. And you're talking about offensive minds like Sean Payton, like Sean McVay, like Doug Peterson, who's proven in the last two years that he knows how to put together an offense. Talking about the Atlanta Falcons, even though I don't think Steve Sarkisian is that great an offensive coordinator, they have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Devonta Freeman. We saw what that looks like against Dom Capers in week two. I know the Packers were beat up, but newsflash, they're beat up now. I hate to go high to low on this. So excited in in the first segment and now just beating your head in with this, but it's not It's not good enough. It's just not good enough. I had a friend text me in the second half, Aaron should ask for a trade. This defense consistently has let him down in big spots. And even if he wins the next three games, they get into the playoffs. Let's say they have to go to New Orleans in round one. How do you think this is going to go? Green Bay is going to defend Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and Ted Ginn and Colby Fleener and Mark Ingram on the fast track on the road, without their starting corner, maybe both starting corners. I don't want to temper excitement about Aaron Rodgers coming back too much because, frankly, I want you to keep listening to the show. But as I pointed out on Twitter, if if Hugh Jackson out coaching you isn't enough to make Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson believe that a change is needed, then you might as well just sign him to a lifetime deal. Just give Dom Capers tenure. And say, you can coach until you want to retire. Because what we saw on Sunday was an embarrassment. An embarrassment. There's there's truly no other way to put it. It was pathetic. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. Matthew Stafford doing whatever he wanted. Matthew Stafford is talented. And Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. Those guys are really good. Deshaun Kaiser is bad. And I know Josh Gordon is good. But Isaiah Correll is not as good as the Green Bay defense made him look. And Deshaun Kaiser sure as hell is not as good as the Green Bay defense made him look. So those things need to get sorted out. Or the Packers, they're just they they not going to win the next three if the defense doesn't play better than they played on Sunday. They're just not. The teams that they're playing are too good. Minnesota, Carolina, Detroit, they're too good for the defense to play like this. Now, if Dom Capers says, we're going to play man with two deep safeties and we're going to let our, our pass rushers go hunt, then they might have a chance. And against Carolina, who won a game in which Cam Newton went 13 for 25 for less than 150 yards and one touchdown and a pick on Sunday, might be able to beat that team because Cam Newton doesn't scare you. But Case Keenum is good enough. We saw it. I mean, he can, he can beat this defense. So it's going to take Aaron Rodgers doing some magnificent things, and and hopefully we get to see that. And speaking of seeing that, if did you see Giannis... On Rudy Gobert the other night. Just absolutely hammer on him. Game's over. Under a minute left. Giannis takes George Hill off the dribble. And just puts Rudy Gobert on a poster. If you haven't seen it, go find the clip. And also go find the Locked on Bucks podcast. They do a great job breaking down Jason Kidd's weird rotations. Chris Middleton's underrated play. Should the, should the Bucks trade for DeAndre Jordan? It's all there. Stay locked on Bucks, just like you stay locked on Packers. Before we get out of here, Aaron Rodgers is going to undergo a bone density scam to determine the, the healing of his collarbone. Now, my understanding is it doesn't need to be totally healed in order to be as strong as it was before. 85, 80% healed with the plate is about as strong as it would have been pre-break. Now, we will not know what the truth is about how broken it still is. They'll either medically clear him or they won't. But the expectation is this week, Rodgers gets cleared. He's been practicing. Obviously, the rehab is going well. He looks healthy. He didn't look healthy in 2013 when he finally came back and, and, and sort of hinted that he wasn't all the way healthy. He needs to be all the way healthy because they need to beat Carolina on Sunday. Obviously, I don't need to tell you Aaron Rodgers being back changes the geometry of this offense. It changes the trajectory of this season. They can win the NFC with Aaron Rodgers. I know I just went through a whole diatribe about the defense not being good enough. Aaron Rodgers is that good. He can put this team on his back and carry them to a Super Bowl title if things break in the right way. Here's what needs to happen as of right this minute. The Packers got some help. The Seahawks lost to the Jaguars. Now, Carolina beat the Vikings, which was a, a tough outcome for Green Bay to a certain extent. There was already the Falcons win over the Saints. But but here's where, here's where we are. The, the Seahawks need to lose once more. That is the key thing. And then everything else with the win out, more or less falls into place because if the Seahawks get to six losses, they're at five now and they need to either lose to the Rams or the Cowboys or the Cardinals, more likely those, one of those first two, that Cowboys game is with Zeke Elliott. They'll get to six losses. And particularly if it's the Rams game that they lose, Green Bay will have the tiebreaker with the head to head. Things get a little too complicated with three-way tiebreakers, but then with the Panthers winning today, if Green Bay beats them, they'll have five losses. Now, if Seattle gets to that sixth, then week 17, assuming the Panthers and the Falcons beat the Bucks in the meantime, then week 17 can basically be a de facto play-in for that team because if the Falcons win and lose to the Saints, they'll have 10 wins. The Panthers will have 10 wins and the Packers will have 10 wins. But the Falcons will be ahead of the Panthers in the division. And they'll have the tiebreaker over Green Bay, which means the Falcons would be the five seed and Green Bay would be the six seed. The most likely scenario in that context would be the Packers as the six, the Saints as the three. So the scenario I described, it's not great. Can can Green Bay go on the road in New Orleans and, and win a game? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are they going to be favored to do so? No way. Now, there's a lot to happen. Three weeks is a lot. There's a lot of games. Minnesota's got a difficult schedule. Philly is going to have to try and win games with Nick Foles. So there's a lot of games where...